We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Future Elisa here. A quick disclaimer before we dive into the episode. The themes of this episode are pretty heavy. And we want to give a heads up um, that we're going to be talking about issues of consent and abuse. So we completely understand if you want to skip over this episode. Um, and if you do want to listen and, and stop until we get to those themes, um, you can go ahead and stop the episode around the 31 minute mark. Um, once Regina stills the heart, I would go ahead and stop the episode. And with that said, um, let's uh, get the episode underway. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 7, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Uh, the original air date was December 11, 2011. Uh, the writers are Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsitz, and our director is David Barrett. Um, his directing credits include Blue Bloods, Star Trek Discovery, Arrow, The Mentalist, Castle, Cold Case, and Smallville. And this title card is The Wolf. All right, we begin in Storybook where stupid handsome Graham is at Granny's Diner, drinking and throwing darts. He hits the bullseye twice. Sydney Glass, the newspaper editor, bets stupid handsome Graham $20 that he cannot make the bullseye for a third time. Graham accomplishes this easily. Handsome, perfect, amazing Graham. Ruby's in the back of the scene eyeing him like, I have to admit, Graham is super handsome. That's I think Graham she's totally, yeah, I think, I think she's <laughs> totally checking out his butt. <laughs> oh, she is. She is. And I mean, it's a good butt. So fair play, Ruby. Emma appears uh, from the back of the diner. They share an awkward glance before she deliberately avoids Graham. Frustrated at her avoidance, Graham throws a dart towards her. It whistles by her and lodges into the door frame. Shocked, Emma asks, what the fuck, mate? You could have hit me. Graham arrogantly boasts that he never misses. He observes that Emma has been avoiding him since the previous night. To which Emma says she has no interest in discussing his affair with the mayor. It's his life and she does not care. Emma walks out of Granny's diner, but stupid handsome Graham follows her and says that he needs to make her understand because he is trying to grapple with his own lack of understanding. Graham says that he doesn't feel anything. However, he doesn't want Emma to look at him the way she is now. When she wonders why he cares, Graham leans forward and kisses her. He receives an intense flash of a forest, a wolf, Mary Margaret, and a vault with a black symbol on the door. And then Emma shoves him back, telling him he went way over the line. He says that he needs to feel something, but Emma tells him that whatever he is looking to feel, he won't get it from her. Ooh, magic wolf vision kisses. That's kind of hot. You know, except for the surprise non-con kiss. Emma is so good in this scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, She's wonderful here, and I have so much respect for her, like, clearly defining her boundaries, because no matter how hot Graham is, you can't just go around being a kiss monster. So Graham goes to Regina's house. When she answers the door, he confirms that Henry is asleep, grabs her, and kisses her. In the Enchanted Forest of the Past... Queen Regina is at her palace and goes to the mausoleum where Snow White is saying goodbye to her recently deceased father. Why does Regina's castle look like the Sydney Opera House? There's like all this beautiful majestic nature around and then just like this eyesore jammed in the middle of it. It's kind of <laughs> terrible. You know though, really like up close, the Sydney Opera House, at least my opinion back in 2003 when I was there, it's kind of dirty. I was like, <laughs> it, it needed a good, a good polish. 
I mean, that's uh, not really putting in a vote of confidence for Regina's castle here. Either. No, no. <laughs> and I was surprised because some of the tiles, like, I mean, it looks white, but then when you get like really close up, you see that some, like every so often there's like a yellow tile Gross. to like help the reflection, I think, off the sun. Gross. <laughs> like her castle though, like it's just this like, they do this big pan in right and like it's just these beautiful mountains and forests and like waterfalls and then there's just like this horrible spiky hedgehog of a building <laughs> and it's like that's that's an eyesore and i hate it <laughs> it actually you know what now that you say that it's it's that one that looks like an egg in london that like is oh, all yeah, oh the yeah, super yeah. energy efficient building yes yeah. the super yeah. energy efficient building that's what it looks like yeah you just like look across the london skyline and everything's super classy and then you get there and go what the fuck is a fabric like, all right yeah <laughs> i mean i i know you're super energy efficient but but god at what cost you're yeah. horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i have to comment that wow even snow white's morning dress is super cute and i would it's gorgeous wear it. really cute it's really lovely like the the buns up the neck yeah, it's like, beautiful. It reminds me like of a Spanish princess dress and I'm very Yes. Nervous. It's like Tudor kind of mm -hmm. era. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Tudor era Spanish princess dress and I'm absolutely in love with it. So pretty. Yeah. Love it. Queen Regina offers her condolences and says that she also loved her husband, Snow's father. The evil queen promises to be there for Snow forever and hugs her. Later, the magic mirror contacts the evil queen and congratulates her on the success of her revenge. The evil queen is happy that she has fooled Snow, but warns that the kingdom would turn on her if she took a more blatant revenge against Snow. She tells Lemire that they must be delicate and careful to conceal any involvement in her murder. The evil queen wants someone with no heart to handle the killing, and Lemire suggests that she use a huntsman. We cut to deep in the woods, where the stupid, handsome, enchanted forest huntsman brings down a deer and thanks it for its sacrifice. He sheds a tear and then looks up as a wolf with one red eye and one black eye appears out of the woods. It steps forward and growls at the huntsman, and the huntsman says that it won't go hungry that night. Firstly, I love a tender-hearted killer who is all about the circle of life. And second, I cannot believe that a CGI deer was cheaper than a real deer. <laughs> it was really jarring. It's the worst CG deer ever. Oof. Like it like its legs like bend at improbable angles like twisty straws like I, it would have been better if they had just cut to a scene from bambi of them like fleeing <laughs> it'd have been more realistic uh, anyway yeah, yeah. like rough. those are hand hand painted cells it would have looked fine <laughs> honestly they could have just like had someone holding a photo of a deer and just put the camera on that <laughs> And it would have been better. Well, and then yeah. like, I mean, the opening scene, we see this like tight close-up of a deer. And then all of a sudden, like a, you know, like the dart that uh, Graham like lodges. And it like, it actually made me jump the first time I had seen it because I was like, oh shit. It's like, oh, a cute little deer. And then whack, you know, and you're well, like, why what didn't the? they just reuse that stationary exactly. shot of a yeah. deer? Exactly. I was like, that deer, real deer, the stationary photo from like National Geographic circa 1970 was like a more realistic looking deer than yeah, the CGI. Yeah, way better than this weird deer with its like ragdoll mechanics. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> um, but that stupid sexy fairy tale Graham with his single tear as he mourns the deer, it's just my heart. It's so, uh, so lovely. And the wolf is so cute and just like instantly, I think everyone falls a little in love. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is why I just, I don't get Regina over here harping on about someone with no heart. And then this like soft, soft boy is standing in the forest crying over a deer. Like, bitch, you are tripping. He is a soft Disney princess. Exactly. It's wild. I, I don't I don't know how she comes like, to this conclusion. I don't know. Her head is up her ass for this entire episode, yeah. in my humble opinion. <laughs> in Storybrooke, Graham wakes up from his dream and tells Regina that he saw himself hunting a deer and talking with a wolf. He explains that he's seen the wolf before, but Regina says that it's a dream and tells him to go back to bed. Graham insists that it was a memory, not a dream, and goes out to get some air. He leaves despite her protests and goes to get his car at the bar. The wolf walks up to him and looks at him for a moment and then trots away. I know this is a weird pet peeve of mine, but I cannot stand seeing characters wear dangly earrings and makeup to bed. I, I know that it was an ambush booty call, but it just really makes me bristle. No, also, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, those earrings, the, God, they have to hurt. They would yeah. get tangled in your hair and you would roll over in the middle of the night and rip your earlobe. Yeah. Yeah. Also, stupid handsome Graham and those boxy ass boxers. I don't <laughs> think so. His jeans are way too tight. He is a boxer brief man, I promise you. It's true. Those would not fit in his super tight pants. The next morning, Emma enters the kitchen and finds a bouquet of flowers on the table. She assumes they're from Graham and throws them away. But Mary Margaret comes in and makes it all worse by revealing that Dr. Whale sent the flowers after their one night stand. Jesus, Emma, not everything is about you. Emma throwing away Mary Margaret's flowers makes me really upset. Like, were they from a big old creep? Yes. But she still deserves to get something nice every once in a while. Like, her life is sad, and everyone is really mean to her. Just let her have some fucking flowers. Also, like, through this whole scene, Emma is just swinging around this, like, giant glass juice carafe, and it makes me incredibly nervous. But I guess between that and Henry drinking straight out of the naked juice bottle, poor juice etiquette just runs in this family. Um, I, I do like Mary Margaret, like, retrieving the flowers from the trash and then putting them in that vase and just, like, putting it on the table. And, like, she gives us, like, pointed look to Emma just being like, my flowers. No, bad. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. It was a very good mom look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Emma wonders if it's serious, and Mary Margaret admits that she feels guilty about it. When Emma says that it, it's okay, and confesses that she never goes beyond one-nighters, Mary Margaret points out that Emma always keeps walls up from other people. Emma counters that she merely does not get emotional over men, to which Mary Margaret points out the floral abuse Emma just displayed, saying it's obvious that Emma has feelings for Graham. Emma denies it, proving Mary Margaret's point, and the teacher says that the wall will not only keep out pain, but also love. Then she takes the flowers out of the garbage and puts them in a vase. Meanwhile, stupid handsome Graham runs into the woods and finds Mr. Gold out for what he says is a spot of gardening. When Graham says that he was looking for a wolf, Gold says that to the best of his knowledge, there aren't any wolves in Storybrooke. Not the literal kind anyway. Mr. Gold asks why the sheriff is looking. Graham fears Mr. Gold will think him crazy, to which Mr. Gold retorts, try me. Hold up, hold up. First of all, I love that Graham running maniacally in the woods at the butt crack of dawn can be outshined by Mr. Gold in a full three-piece suit wearing wellies and an apron holding a shovel as he casually buries what we can only assume is a body. Graham, bruh, you're the sheriff of this one horse town. Your man doing gardening in the forest, not on his property? Mm, maybe ask a few questions? 
Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Like, Mr. Gold, what are you doing gardening in the woods in like an evil dapper apron? Like, is he bearing a body? He's bearing a body. Yeah, I think we all had the same thing for this point because like, Graham, you're local law enforcement and you don't think anything is suspicious about this. You're just like, cool, man. I'm sure you have a reason to be in the middle of the goddamn woods with a shovel and an apron. That's casual. I, I do have to say, though, that uh, Mr. Gold is his landlord, so maybe he does not want to rock that boat. <laughs> so he's just all like, I'm going to let this go because I don't want you raise my rent. <laughs> yeah. I don't want True. you throwing me out. True. Because, I mean, who hasn't been there? Especially with True. Mr. Gold. <laughs> the sheriff explains that he saw the same wolf in his dream and then in the real world. And he asks if Mr. Gold has seen anything unusual in the woods. Mr. Gold says that he hasn't, but notes that some people believe that dreams are memories of another life. When Graham asks what he believes, Mr. Gold coyly responds that he never rules out anything and wishes the sheriff luck in finding what he's looking for. Just not the body I buried. He's not even being subtle about it. <laughs> oh, he is! No. He's like, like, all it's missing is him just being like, yeah, don't, don't check over there. <laughs> Your wolf might come over here in about half an hour trying to dig shit up. If he does, be cool about it. Be cool. <laughs> be cool. No wolf, one be likes cool. a narc, Graham. Don't tell Emma. <laughs> we know stitches who wears stitches. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Also, this is like December, January in Maine. In Maine, that forest should be glistening white in piles of snow, not lush and green and verdant. Like there must be some sort of enchanted weather controlled enclosure surrounding Storybook. I cannot believe the showrunners were this lazy. It's like- I can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of like the Hunger Games, you know, like the, the weather controlled arena. Yeah, it's the magic bubble. It's the same thing that was keeping the crickets out. The yeah. magic bubble, magic weather. We return to the enchanted forest. The huntsman goes to a tavern with his wolf companion, and other patrons stare cautiously at the animal. They gossip that the huntsman is an animal who is raised by the animals and cries over his kills. One man comes over and asks him what kind of man cries over an animal. The huntsman answers, an honorable one, and that animals are pure of heart, not selfish and self-serving like humans. The wolf growls at the man who prepares to attack it. The huntsman kills him and takes on the others, who withdraw after a few moments. This is some of the lamest goddamn tavern gossip ever, by the way. These are like the dumbest bullies. Look at this loser. He likes animals. Is that like really the best you can do, Biff Tannen? Everyone is so judgy about the huntsman. And like, why? Is like the huntsman job in this world kind of like like the witcher in the enchanted forest <laughs> like it's shady business like what's his story here yeah I, yeah so that's strange. what I, that's what i feel like yeah he's treated like a lot like Geralt of Rivia like it's very much like a witcher you know and all he needs is like a nice dapper bisexual bard to like give him a <laughs> a, a spicy little jingle that everyone can sing let Toss us, a let us all into your huntsman Let's all agree that things would have probably turned out a lot better for Graham if he just had a cute little bisexual bard. That's true. Everyone's they life would be better if they just had a cute little bisexual bard. That's true. They make yes. everything better. Meanwhile, the evil queen watches him through a shard of glass, decides that he's perfect, and tells her men to bring the huntsman to her. Why does Regina see this nice mountain man who loves wolves and cries over animals that he has to kill and think, ah, oh, yes, a heartless man. Like what? 
Yeah, I'm so confused. 90% of the time we've seen this man so far, he's just been softly weeping. Like, constantly crying. I have no idea how this woman is like, there's my stone-cold killer. Like, bitch, are you high? It's wild. It's wild. It makes zero sense. Back in Storybrooke, stupid handsome Graham continues to chase the wolf in the woods, following the howls and glimpses he catches. He finally catches up to the wolf and demands to know what it wants. The wolf starts to walk away, but when Graham whistles to it, the wolf turns around and comes to him. Graham pets the wolf and has a flash of himself, bringing a dagger down upon a woman who looks like Mary Margaret. When the vision ends, the wolf is nowhere to be found. Graham goes to the school and finds Mary Margaret at school is being let out. He says that he thinks they knew each other in a past life. Well, that'll inspire your faith in the local justice system. Returning to the enchanted forest, the huntsman is escorted into the palace and refuses to give his real name to the evil queen. She notes his tortured demeanor, suggesting it's because his family abandoned him to the wolves. He explains that the wolves are his family and that his human parents only gave birth to him. She asks him to kill someone and the huntsman wonders why he should. The evil queen offers him a place at her court as her royal huntsman, a wash in luxury, and explains that she needs someone without compassion, someone who can carve a heart out and bring it back for her collection. The huntsman refuses to be her pet in a royal cage, but says that he can do her bidding in exchange for outlawing the hunting of wolves. The evil queen promptly agrees, and the huntsman asks her who he is to kill. First, wowza. Regina's deep Merlot dress with the black lace inserts is a look, and I love it. Definitely one of my favorite dresses of this season so far. But that aside, Regina was advised to look for someone heartless. But the Huntsman has more morals and heart than any regular assassin for hire. I think she only went for him because she's thirsty as hell and thought she could seduce him and control him. Ultimately, she would have done better to hire a true merciless killer with professional experience killing people. But of course, Regina's thirst and paranoia always gets in the way, so here we are. Like we said earlier, he's the softest soft. Like, what the hell? It makes zero sense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back in Storybrooke, Graham asks Mary Margaret if she remembers when they met, and she admits that she has no idea. He doesn't remember either, and explains that he doesn't remember meeting anyone in town. Mary Margaret dismisses it as life. Things get hazy. He asks if he's ever hurt her, which she adamantly denies. Graham asks if she believes in past lives, and Mary Margaret figures he has been talking to Henry. She elaborates about Henry's theory that there are fairy tale characters under a curse. Noting his interest, Mary Margaret hastens to add that Henry's theory is nonsense. She tells him to go home and get some rest and Graham hesitantly leaves. I do really like this moment um, because Graham does find some, some momentarily uh, safety and companionship in, in Mary Margaret's classroom forest. I think it's a nice touch and I think it does actually feel very intentional. Agreed. Returning to the fairy tale, 
the huntsman dressed awkwardly as a guard in the queen's army in the terrible black guard helmet chaperoned snow through the woods oh god this poor man i am in full-on secondhand embarrassment for him look it even has fake muscles on the chest plate Arrgh. also snow is like kind of talking and chirping on about going to the summer palace and i initially thought that this is where he was taking her but that would just make zero sense as they're walking with no horse and cart piled with her royal monogrammed luggage in sight so i've concluded that she's just you know friendly babbling i think um, she's a nervous talker i think so too also i like that the saturation is jammed up in this scene so it makes the forest look really vivid and lush yeah. i'm 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 just stuck on Graham having to wear that stupid fucking noodle helmet. Like, why are these still a thing and why haven't we burned them yet? Snow White offers him an apple and he refuses. Snow White realizes that he's not one of her father's knights, but picked especially by the queen to escort her. She surmises it's because he is there to kill her, which he freely acknowledges. Snow casually observes that he has on too much armor before knocking his ass to the ground and running off. You know, I bet Snow White would have been a great Dine and Dash friend. I just love how clever Snow is in figuring this out. I think it's, it's great. Snow White never hesitates to hit a man with a blunt object, and I love her for that. Back in Storybrooke, Emma is failing miserably at darts at the station when Regina arrives. The mayor is pleased that Emma knows about her relationship with Graham and says she is aware of Emma's relationship with him as well. Emma denies such a connection exists, that whatever Regina's spy is reported to have seen, it meant nothing. Regina concurs, claiming that Emma is incapable of feeling anything for anyone. Emma says that her life is her business, but Regina tells her to stay away from Graham because she's putting thoughts in his head and leading him on the path of self-destruction. Jesus fucking Christ. Stay away. Bitch, she works with him. The whole conversation is just so deeply and stupidly ironic. Like, Regina, Jesus fucking Christ. Seriously. Meanwhile, stupid handsome Graham goes to see Henry and asks him if he's in his fairy tale book. Henry really needs to get like some buttons and a commemorative ribbon for all of these new members of Operation Cobra. Okay, but how cute would that be actually? <laughs> really cute. Like that would actually be the sweetest thing ever. And now I'm like, oh no, I want Henry yeah. to have little like con ribbons that just say welcome to Operation Cobra. <laughs> Aww. Just Graham going to Henry in the first place is just really sweet. And, and so the next sequence sweet. between them, I, I really love it. It's so sweet. So sweet. In the Enchanted Forest, the huntsman finally catches up to Snow, who is sitting on a log and writing a letter. He asks why, and Snow says that she knows he'll find her no matter what. Uh, she asks the huntsman to give her letters to the queen and tell her that she means every word. The huntsman reads the letter and is moved to tears. He then draws his knife and advances on Snow, Cuts a reed, carves it into a whistle, and tells her to use it to summon help, that she will be led to safety. He then tells her to run while looking at a nearby deer. Snow White is too good for this world. And, and, Graham, <laughs> and Graham seeing that and having her be this, this first human who he sees kindness in and, and he lets her go because of it. And I think these two have a really nice little dynamic here. They do. And I feel like it's really a waste that it didn't get explored more. Yeah. yeah. We return to Storybrooke, where Henry shows stupid handsome Graham the story of the Huntsman and asks when he started having memory flashes. Graham says that it happened after he kissed Emma, to which Henry cries out incredulously, You kissed my mom! Oh man, Henry. 
You don't even want to know what he does with your other mom. Gross. Eef. Gross. Gross. Very. After describing the details of his vision, Henry realizes that Graham is the huntsman and the wolf is his guide trying to help him. The memories began because the huntsman spared Snow, Emma's mother. When Graham wonders what happened to the huntsman in the story, Henry explains that the evil queen ripped his heart out so that he would never feel anything. He shows Graham a picture of the vault where she hid the huntsman's heart, and Graham realizes what he needs to do. Wait, no, no, maybe you should actually read the book. Oh, and he's gone. Uh, he just like bolts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know what I need to do. And I'm like, yeah, you need to sit down and read that book. This is what you need to do. He doesn't need no schooling. Yeah, he don't need no schooling. (laughs) He was raised by wolves. Um, (laughs) Books are for nerds. (laughs) (laughs) So it's aggravating because when Henry casually flips through the book, there are these fairy tale illustrations by the Edwardian era artist Arthur Arthur Rackham. Uh, Very superior art. But no, we have these crappy screenshots run through the cartoon filter. Oof, that image of the huntsman in the fairy tale book is real special. I mean, I know I, for one, am really happy we got to look at the shitty, shitty illustrations again because they aren't the worst or anything. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. As Graham leaves the house, he finds Emma waiting for him outside. She wonders what is going on, and Graham explains that he needs to find the wolf to lead him to the vault where his heart is hidden. Emma wonders what he's talking about, and Graham says that he doesn't feel anything. She offers to prove that he has a heart and touches his chest. Emma assures him that it's beating and then puts his hand to his chest as well. Graham doesn't believe it, insisting that it's the curse. The wolf appears in Emma's line of vision and thoroughly freaks her out. Wolf real, good doggo. They follow the wolf to a nearby cemetery. It leads them to a vault with the symbols from Graham's dream. He knows that his heart is inside. Graham approaches the vault and Emma tries to stop him, but realizes that he won't be deterred. She agrees to go with him and kicks open the vault door. Emma's like, this sounds crazy, but you are so sad and handsome, and I am so worried about you, so I will help. (laughs) But I do have to say that I I really absolutely love the dynamic and the evolution of Emma and Graham in in just this one episode, and I just so wish we had a chance to have more of these two. I know. I feel it. Back in the Enchanted Forest, a knight escorts the huntsman to the evil queen. She asks if Snow is dead, and the huntsman says that he has her heart. However, he first shows her Snow's letter. The evil queen tells him to read it, and the huntsman recites how Snow said that she knew her stepmother would never have love because of her. She hopes that with her death, the evil queen will rule her subjects with compassion and a gentle hand. Snow hopes that her need for revenge will be satisfied. She apologizes and forgives her stepmother. Angry, the evil queen throws the letter into the fire and asks if the huntsman is becoming a sheep rather than a wolf. When he asks what Snow did, the evil queen says that she shared a secret with Snow, but she didn't keep it, and that betrayal cost her dearly. The huntsman gives her the pouch with the heart. The evil queen places it into a box and closes it, and then prepares to put it in a rack with other boxes. When the rack doesn't open, the evil queen realizes this isn't a human heart. She demands answers from the huntsman. Yeah, he should have fucked off and slipped away as soon as she threw the letter into the fire. Just drop the bag and be like, I, I'm out. And Regina's heart bangs in the scene are not a great look. And I guess they're like, she's about to be next level awful. So she's going to have next level awful hair. They're so bad. Like my only notes for this scene are about her bonkers ass bangs 
and her bonkers ass theme music. Bum, 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 bum. It's, oh. <laughs> it's just, how do you take anything seriously when that song is playing? Oh, what I want to know is how does Regina have a heart collection card catalog system? It's so, it's such an interesting choice. That was like, how are we going to, what, what's she going to have? Because she's going to have this vault. It's going to be like a card catalog system from a library. And that's where she keeps her hearts. I don't know. She got bored one day. <laughs> yeah. Guess. She didn't have nothing better to do. So she was like, I'm going to organize all the fucking hearts I steal. Yeah. I'm going to have a weird heart room. That's going to be my thing. It's going to be my brand. Fair enough. I wonder if she alphabetized them. And it's interesting too, because this is pretty early on. So like, she probably shouldn't have that many hearts yet. Maybe in the early days, she was literally just taking them from anyone. Like she just would like, walk down the street and body check someone and just be like ha no this isn't early days she learned to do that uh oh uh, she's pretty young yeah. she's still got like a wall of like a hundred there though there has to be some people that she just did because she was bored i i think some of those are empty though like they're waiting to be filled they're waiting that ain't creepy <laughs> <laughs> they're there just in case <laughs> you never know <laughs> you never know cutting back to storybrook Stupid handsome Graham and Emma find a coffin in urns, but no signs of the heart. He searches for it without success, but Emma says that it's going to be okay. Regina arrives and demands to know what they're doing. She explains that the vault is her father's grave, and Graham says that he brought Emma there. He refuses to tell Regina why he was there. Regina offers to take him home, but Graham says he doesn't want to go home with her. Regina realizes that he's willing to go with Emma, but Graham insists that it has nothing to do with Emma. He figures that he can't feel anything because of Regina, and he'd rather have nothing than whatever they have. He is leaving Regina, not for Emma, but for himself. Regina tries to go to him, but Graham insists that it's over. The mayor blames Emma, who says that the problem is with Regina, not her. She points out that both Henry and Graham are miserable and tells Regina to think about why people are running away from her. Regina punches her and Emma fights back. Graham separates them and Emma walks away, saying Regina isn't worth it. Regina turns to Graham, who walks away without a word. Regina has a decent left hook, which kind of surprises me, to be honest. But Emma is scrappy, and she could have totally, ultimately taken her out. Mm-hmm. And like, God, Regina, you have literally been using him and abusing him for years. You do not get to play the victim like this. And it just ugh, it makes me feel really ill knowing the context from the rest of the episode. But Graham's statement of like, I'm leaving you for me uh, is a really wonderful moment. It really, uh, really mm -hmm. is. It's such Uh, a great line. Yeah. Regina just makes me goddamn angry in this scene. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, Regina. You've been manipulating the man for ages and he finally says no more. And your first thought is, how could Emma Swan do this? Like, for fuck's sake, woman. For fuck's sake. At the police station, Emma and Graham tend to her wounds. He apologizes for going out of his mind, but she understands and figures that he's heartbroken. Emma figures that Graham became involved with Regina because he was lonely and desperate. Back at the crypt, Regina places flowers on Henry Sr.'s tomb before pushing it aside, revealing the secret stairway below. In the enchanted forest, the evil queen seals the door and tells the huntsman that he isn't going anywhere. She then takes his heart in punishment, pulling it out of his chest. The evil queen then kisses him and says that he is now her pet. She places his heart in the vault with her collection. She warns the huntsman that if he ever disobeys her, she'll squeeze. Demonstrating, the evil queen causes the huntsman to collapse to the ground in agony. 
As your guards take him away to her bedchamber, the evil queen says that he is now hers forever. Well, now we have the grotesque reality that Graham has had no agency and Regina has been assaulting him all of this time. Well, that's a thing. Until this moment, we could have believed that that Graham and Regina's relationship in Storybrooke was just meaningless sex. But here in the flashback, we get confirmation that she's been controlling him and leaves us with the sickening line, take him to my bedchamber, which confirms that their sexual relationship is part of the false narrative of Storybrooke that Regina's created. And there is a complete lack of consent Graham has essentially been violated for years and it's unforgivable. Yeah, like this this whole scene is so uncomfortably rapey that I honestly had a really hard time watching it. Like this whole you'll do what I want or I'll murder you and then having her guards drag him to her bedroom, it's it's really beyond not okay. Like I feel like once upon a time falls on this trope a lot under this weird guise of like whoa, girl boss, without addressing the fact that this is absolutely sexual assault, regardless of the gender of the perpetrator. And it's not okay, like at all. It's not female empowerment. It's assault. The gender dynamic doesn't take away from that fact. Unforgivable. In present day Storybrooke, Regina goes to the rack of boxes and removes the huntsman's heart from its case. Graham finishes tending Emma's cuts and notices her smiling at him. She steps forwards and kisses him, in action, which returns Graham's memories as the huntsman. This Emma and Graham kiss is, is so sweet, and this whole scene is just a gut punch. I really yeah. love their conversation here, and his, I remember, and it kissed me right in my heart. <laughs> um, and Emma's smile, and Graham's thank you. It's such a lovely moment. Yeah, and Jamie, Jamie Doran, I think that's how you say his name. Graham. Oh, what a guy. Like, I mean, he really just brought a lot to this character. And yeah, he, he did. And this he scene acted his pants off. Yeah. He was phenomenal. And this scene especially was like the height of it all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's why, you know, he has essentially seven episodes. We see him a couple more times, but mm-hmm. relatively short run on this show. But I think it's pretty universal as anyone who watched the show has such a soft spot for Graham and really loved him. And I, I just think Jamie's brought so much for such a short period of time. Absolutely. In the vault, Regina holds Graham's heart in her hand. Stupid, handsome Graham tells Emma that he remembers everything. Crying, he thanks Emma and starts to kiss her but then collapses dead as Regina crushes his heart to dust. End credits. No, oh, stupid handsome Graham. R.I.P., buddy. We loved you. You were too good so for this damn show. You were the best of us, Graham. Ugh. Okay. Who boy. Who boy, howdy. Okay. Ugh. Damn. The Kitsowitz really just opened a Pandora's box with this episode. What this episode revealed is that Graham's relationship with Regina is not one of consent. He had no interest in her, no way of getting out of the cycle of abuse until Emma showed up and essentially helped him reclaim his autonomy. We're not here to debate what Regina did. There is no excuse and no devil's advocacy for assault, for taking someone's will away from them. The truly fucked up part of the storyline is that it never gets explored. Like, I don't care if that's a spoiler, that never gets explored. No. Graham does not live to decide whether he will ever forgive Regina. 
he has that choice taken away from him as well. And that is the grossest part of this plot device. And there's also this nasty trope that Lynn touched on. Um, mostly, I find it among mostly male writers that think that sexual assault is magically excusable if it's committed by a woman to a man mm -hmm. because hashtag strong woman, hashtag feminism. Of course, this is utterly ridiculous and wrong. There should have been more voices in the writing room to slap their wrists and say, no, bad. Or at least challenge them and be like, okay, but then how can Regina ever conceivably come back from this in a way that the audience will find plausible and sympathetic? Like, how can you, how can you come back from that? You know? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that's really tough. It's, it's like a, to me, it's a permanent stain on Regina's character. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, of course, like it's, I, I don't take it out on Lana who does, who's just doing her job. You know, I mean, this all comes down to the Kitsowitz mm -hmm. um, and them just failing, not just Graham, but Regina as well, because. Yeah. And their like, audience too. And their and audience. Their audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, because like, what are you saying to like survivors who watch this basically? Right. Like you're yeah. invalid because a woman did it to you. Like it wasn't abuse because your abuser was female. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It, it's gut-wrenching. And I just hate the cavalier way that they will repeatedly use mm -hmm. sexual assault as a plot device. Yeah. 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 I've mentioned, you know, in past episodes that that I do like Regina as a character, but I'm not a Regina apologist. And this this plot is to the root of that statement because I think she's interesting. I think Lana owns every scene she's in. I, I enjoy the journey of her character moving forward, but I will never think that she can be redeemed because she essentially sexually assaulted Graham repeatedly for years. And, and this is completely unforgivable. And, and like Chell said, this violation is it's never mentioned again. And I don't know, the writers just didn't know how to unpack it. So they just never did. But like you said, it, it gets repeated. This, this, this a similar storyline gets repeated. And, and thinking about what Graham has been put through is just, it really makes me sick. And it makes his death all the more heartbreaking because he's never allowed to heal and recover. And, and this plot is so genuinely fucked up. Yeah, that's, that's why, you know, the tagline of this podcast is all plot devices come with a price. And the price for this plot device is Regina's character. Like, yeah. you are gonna be driving redemption home so fucking hard, but there, like I said, like, there will always be a stain. And, yeah, and it's an irredeemable act. Yeah, and, and it's like, if you were unwilling to unpack it, then you shouldn't have done it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like honestly, it's worth mentioning that I straight up stopped watching Once Upon a Time for a while because of this episode. It took me a really long time before I was ready to come back to it. Like sure, part of that was because Graham was one of my favorite characters, but like this absolutely horrible plot line of, hey, Regina has been sexually assaulting him for years made me just kind of put up my hands and go, I can't, I can't do this. And it sends such a horrible message that Graham is finally able to shake off his abuser and say, I'm not going to let you keep doing this to me. And he's literally murdered for that. Like yeah. I had to just step away from it. Yeah. yeah. 
I wish Graham had had a chance to be his own character and have his own agency. This episode is just a gut punch and one that I, I tend to avoid in past rewatches uh, because the lack of consent makes me so uncomfortable. I realized, you know, I've seen the first season of Once Upon a Time uh, quite a few times. We watched it as background for like crafting and stuff. We have always skipped this episode. Uh, watching it for this podcast was the only the second time I ever watched it. I also wish that, you know, we had had a chance to explore the Emma and Graham relationship more than this. Yes. Uh, their final conversation was sweet and, and healthy, and I, I think they could have been really good for each other. I know I would have really sailed this ship. There are two really important Emma romantic relationships later in Once Upon a Time, and I'm keeping this really vague, so no spoilers. Uh, I do legitimately really like both those characters and their dynamic with Emma, but... Graham had so much potential. And I just really wish they had had a chance. It, I, I feel like, yeah, Emma and Graham should have had a chance because I actually think it's a really interesting dynamic for Emma and the Huntsman to, yeah. uh, to have maybe gotten together and stuff because as yeah. Henry had pointed out, Emma's life is kind of owed to the Huntsman and not... Not like, I don't want to say owed to the Huntsman, but his his good deed is the reason why, you know, Emma was able to happen. And yeah. I just think that that it would be a very beautiful relationship, you know, and um, and he already has like this really wonderful dynamic with Mary Margaret. So I think that there was a lot of potential that they just chose to slam the door on immediately. Yeah. And not in a good way. Like there yeah. are way there are ways to like, you know, to like have like a tragic end to your um to a, to a character and stuff, right? And be like, "Oh, what missed potential, you know, and but, you know, hurt so good kind of trope." But this was not it. <laughs> this no, no. was not it. This was ugly. This was ugly. This was ugly and poorly done and poorly thought out because again, never brought up again, never touched on, never resolved, never redeemed. And yeah, Regina does never, she does not get to say who and when forgives her. You know what I mean? Like that is for yeah. her victims to decide. And forgiveness is for the the victim, not, not the perpetrator. Plus it's not like this is ever touched upon again. So it's not like she even tries to make amends for it. Yeah. We just yeah. all kind of just like it it just gets brushed under the rug and like no one ever mentions it because technically who could no one knew about it but Graham and Regina. Right. Yeah. And Graham's yeah. been murdered, so he can't tell people what she did to him. Yeah. She silenced yeah, there's, him. There's never any comeuppance, like because no one knows. This is no, she, she murdered the one person her. who knew what she did. Ugh. It's disgusting. And it's it's why I had to stop watching the show for a while. So I guess on topics that are a lot Not less horrible, horrible um, costume-wise, that Snow White morning dress was lovely. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Graham's huntsman look is, is really handsome and kind of ruggedly soft. Um, looks good. It's a good look. Wish we could have seen more of it. We also get to see Snow White in that cream flower-covered cape for the first time. Yes. Which is one of my favorite Snow White costume pieces. It's her initial on the run look. She'll she'll wear it in a few episodes, kind of help you figure out the timeline when she wears this outfit. And it's it's lovely. I really like that outfit. I, I completely agree about Snow's costuming. It was perfect in this episode. 
Like her morning gown was gorgeous. She looked like a Spanish princess and her forest on the run outfit. She looks like a perfect angel, but I'm going to have to disagree with Shell. I didn't love Regina's red stretch velour outfit. It confused (laughs) me and it made me angry. And I want the name of whoever decided her bonkers ass heart bangs were a good idea. Oh, they were so bad. They, they, made, they wanted us to really hate her in this scene. Not only is she doing like the like literally the worst act on Once Upon a Time, she also had terrible bangs while she did it. Yeah, they were like, Lana's so pretty that we need you to like not be distracted by how beautiful she is when she's yeah. doing the worst thing ever. So let's just like give her the most terrible hairstyle we can think of. I hated that like rhinestone covered collar. She's like the goth version of Tanya Tucker <laughs> waiting for her big debut on the Grand Ole Opry. It ain't, it's, uh, choices, choices were made with her costuming. Yeah. Choices were made with the costuming. And at the end of the day, choices were made with this episode. Choices were made. choices. And. Most of them were bad. Mm -hmm. Most of them were bad. Most of them were bad. I, this episode. It hurts. It It hurts. It hurts so bad. It hurts. It, it makes me feel ill. And it was not okay. This was a, this was a bad move, guys. Just bad move writers bad move all right uh so next time on once upon a rewatch regina and mr gold play dirty politics and take opposite sides when emma runs for the coveted storybook public office against sydney glass meanwhile back in the fairy tale world that was rumpelstiltskin tries to track down the ultimate power source in order to help his son avert the horrors of a meaningless war thank you for tuning in to once upon a rewatch We are the narrators three. The moral of this episode is your plot device will come with a price. That price is going to be fans calling out your bullshit. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch on Twitter at once upon rewatch and at Tumblr at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLee. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. <laughs>